You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! another episode of podcasters of shield cinema geekly's all-encompassing marvel podcast it's team double a again it's anthony and aurora how are you doing in indiana this fine day i'm doing great it's 70 70 <laughs> oh my yes. god it is not I mean, 75 actually i don't, I don't want to i don't want to yeah it's gonna sound like i'm complaining here because it's not seven it's nice today but it is not 70 nice um it's it's pretty decent out here in a mm-hmm. in mid in mid Michigan, but it's a uh, uh, it could be better. <laughs> it could be seventy. <laughs> oh no! I felt I I walked my dogs and I was sweating and I was like, "What is this sweat? <laughs> I can't believe it." It's really, <laughs> yeah, no, it is lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is so weird because the first episode, you know, people are going to be like, hey, this is the second episode in a row. You guys started by talking about how nice the weather is where you are. When you live in the Midwest, weather is a topic everybody I mean, <laughs> talks yeah. I mean, Michigan is like the, because we're surrounded by lakes on, on all sides, we get like the weirdest weather. Like, well, I mean, we will get snow sometimes in, in May or June. I've mm-hmm. seen it. I've seen it snow in June in this state. And yep. it is, it's a weird state to live in. It really is like a, you know, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes is kind of the old joke that anybody who's yeah. lived in this place for any amount of time. But it is kind of like that in the Midwest, like the, especially if you're close to Michigan, if you're close to any of the lakes, yeah. um, the weather just is, it's really weird and strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really horrible tie-in is that the uh, the third episode of Daredevil that we're talking about here has a weather phenomenon in the title, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with weather, but uh, we're going to hop right in and start talking about it, because why not? Uh, that's what you're mm-hmm. going to think. Uh, it's season one, episode three of Daredevil called Rabbit in a Snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. It's uh, We've got Matt Murdock, and we've got Foggy Nelson again, and they have been hired by a man named James Wesley. We've met him before. He appears to be the confidant of one Wilson Fisk. And they're right. representing John Healy, who we meet at uh, the very beginning of this episode as he, uh, mm-hmm. he he's a, he's an enforcer, apparently. Uh, right. uh, he's a, the weird, the weird thing is when you think of an enforcer, you think of like the muscle and this is like the most unassuming <laughs> guy next door is so slobby. He, he wasn't slobby looking, but he, he just looked like such an average guy. And he comes into this bowl. Yeah. Early, 
And uh, he's like, hey, can I bowl a game? And uh, the, the lady at the counter is like, sorry, we're closed up. And he's like, well, these guys over here, they're bowling. And she says, uh, it's, a, it's a private party. Those guys know the owner. And he's like, hey, well, maybe I'll just see if I can join in on their party. And she's like, all right, hey, whatever is up to you. And he goes up to them and kicks all of their asses, with the exception of mm-hmm. the, the final guy whom he uh, – what's the kindest word? <laughs> he, uh, he was very violent. <laughs> <laughs> he smashes his face in with a bowling ball, I think is yes. uh, to be blunt about it. And um, this is, he gets arrested. He knows he's going to get arrested. He just sits there and waits for the cops to arrest him, says he wants a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that is how Matt and Foggy end up with uh, with Mr. John Healy. Uh, yes, so which, by the way, I, I oh, try on. to think of if I ever seen a movie scene or a TV show scene where someone beats someone up with a bowling ball no I and i couldn't think of one so i think this is the first time i've seen that happen. i mean i mean it's probably like it i don't know if it happened and i haven't wa- i've never watched the big lebowski which people keep getting mad at me over but uh mm-hmm. maybe maybe it happened in there because there's some bowling stuff in big lebowski but other than that i cannot think of another situation in which murder was committed via bowling ball uh no. that jumps to my <laughs> At least. Um, So suspicious of Wesley's connection to Union Allied, uh, Matt convinces the jury to acquit Healy of murder. Uh, And basically they do this by sort of planting the doubt uh, that it could have been uh, self-defense because the the girl at the counter did not come back to to witness anything until the fight was already mid-fight. And uh, he, Matt Murdock gives this, actually this really great speech about yeah. Uh, about how uh, trials and, and justice work and uh, how the how the, in the courtroom, the only thing that is of importance is fact uh, mm-hmm. and what you can prove and what can, you know. And obviously it's also, it kind of speaks to how flawed uh, the justice system yeah. can be as well. Uh, I wonder how many lawyers are going to start using that monologue now in court. <laughs> Uh, after the trial is over, Matt confronts Healy in his vigilante guise, of course, as the daredevil, and forces mm-hmm. him to name his employer, which, at great pain to Healy, he eventually does, Wilson Fisk. Right. Uh, he gives up the name, and then Healy warns Daredevil that uh, Fisk will not only target him, but everyone he cares about. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to console this man at this point, because Healy is freaking out. He cannot believe he's given up the name. It is so bad that he's given up the name of Wilson Fisk that he kills himself. And not only does he kill himself, it is in a really violent manner as well. There are these, I don't know if it's from like a a damaged fence or something, but there are some spikes sort of sticking out. It looks like from like a damaged fence. And he really headbutts one of these spikes. Yeah. He kills himself very violently. And while Matt Murdock cannot see any of this, I think he kind of gets the gist that it was right. So he's probably lucky that he couldn't see it. It was pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Where did I, I, I lost my spot for a moment. Okay. I've got it again. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, in the episode as well, we've got Karen page. Uh, she is uh, tr- struggling to enlist reporter Ben Urich to find mm-hmm. evidence connecting union allied to Fisher's murder. Uh, and, we uh, also get our first look at Wilson Fisk, and right. he is uh, at an art gallery mm-hmm. and purchases a painting, which is called Rabbit in a Snowstorm, 
which right. is essentially, I believe, uh, a canvas full of various shades of white. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he paid an <laughs> absorbent amount of money for this piece of artwork. Uh, he buys it from the art director, Vanessa Mariana, and I believe he does it because he's a bit infatuated with this woman. Right, right. Uh, um, so, Aurora, what did you think of Rabbit in a Snowstorm? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I um, I didn't like it as much as episode two. No. Yeah, that had a very, there was, there was, it was such a high, high hill to climb from episode right. two. I agree. Um, and I, so what was the purpose of Wesley hiring Murdoch? Was it just to ah. control them? Because everything was set up in the trial. Well, even the, the jurors were, you know, um, threatened. Yes. And so everything was manipulated in the trial. So they didn't actually do anything. The, um, I think they want, I mean, he's in the car with, I can't remember who he's in the, in a car with, but he is talking about how, um, cause the other guy, man, I wish I could remember his name, but he is like the, uh, he's the warden in the Shawshank Redemption. And I just kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cannot remember his name in this, uh, in this show, but, um, he's talking about like how he knows he's got some lawyers and things like that. And, uh, Wesley says something along the lines of like, but these guys are fresh. There, there's nothing on them. There's, right. uh, they're clean. Um, and maybe he sees, uh, some potential to use these guys to their advantage mm-hmm. or something along those lines. So I think maybe he sees it as a, a point of manipulation. Like right. these guys are fresh. There's nothing on them and they might be able to use them, uh, to help them in other cases in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was, uh, interesting i just thought that because at least i think if you are gonna hire them at least leave them like allow them to prove themselves a little bit right but yeah. they <laughs> they didn't have to do anything they, they did something but it doesn't matter what they did the outcome was gonna be the same so i i think for me this whole episode could have uh i could probably talk a whole uh like a whole nother episode just about kind of uh like thoughts on the on the justice system and things like that because like like to me if i were sitting in that jury matt murdoch's speech works on me because Mm -hmm. i believe that that's how the system is set up and that's kind of how it's supposed to work i think that the jury was still rigged to a certain degree because even though his speech was great i don't think i think that guy still would have been convicted uh you know if this were like the real world that sort of thing because the the first thing that comes to my mind uh, when I thought of all of this was the um, the Trayvon Martin case where right, the right. only the only witness to the struggle between those two parties was somebody who came uh, came to witness the struggle after it had already begun. So it was mm-hmm. difficult to tell who had started the fight, if somebody was protecting themselves from somebody else, that sort of thing. Uh, right. So it's hard. It, that's why I it was always difficult for me to uh, I. I mean, obviously, with George Zimmerman, there were various other circumstances that didn't lead right. me to think that <laughs> he was necessarily defending himself. There was a lot of other things that led me to believe that he was uh, the in, the instigator of all of it. But that mm-hmm. being said, looking at that case, uh, you know, and to me, there was more evidence against him in that case, and he still uh, got away without a conviction. So I think maybe they still felt the need to uh, to corrupt the jury in, in such a fashion. Uh, because even with a very good defense and they had a very good defense just going by the facts, I don't think that was enough to, uh, to release him from prison. No, no. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, what, what did you think of the first uh, our our first glimpse of of Wilson Fisk, a, a, aka the Kingpin? I like that um, they introduced him in a very calm way. Yeah, unconventional. He's staring at, at, at art. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and but I think that even though he was shown physically in the end scene, mm-hmm. we still get a sense of who he is by uh, Healy because yeah. I I thought that you know in the be- in the beginning Healy is able to kill some kill someone with a bowling ball. Yes. And w- you know without any type of remorse or anything he just does it. Yeah. But after he tells uh, Daredevil the uh, Fisk's name. He's so scared that he kills himself. Yeah, like so almost a huge a contrast between those two things. Yeah. So if he, as someone that can brutally mur- murder someone without any remorse, is so scared of someone else that they kill themselves, then this other person has to be awful. Yeah, I mean, just by <laughs> just by saying his name aloud to another individual. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, and I, and I, but I love that juxtaposition because as, yeah. as you said, it's this cold blooded killer who is absolutely terrified of this other guy and mm-hmm. we meet him and we meet this other guy in the most mundane possible way. Yeah. Uh, but there are things about him. Like they constantly show his fingers, like he's constantly like moving his fingers a little bit like he's very gen- yeah. like you know at first i'm like maybe it's a nervous tick but now i'm starting to lean more along the lines of like he's just wanting to strangle somebody maybe yeah maybe he, <laughs> his he hands are his weapon <laughs> yes he does not know what to do he cannot keep his hands still um and right. he's very awkward as well a little very bit awkward. at least around at least around vanessa mm-hmm. um okay so what would you grade rabbit in a snowstorm i would say um let's say four mm-hmm um, <laughs> I'm a, I don't know. I, I think maybe like a three and a half for me. Really? Yeah. I mean, three and a half is good. Three and a half is above average. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't anything particularly like that sticks out to me that I'm like, eh. Um, but it, it does kind of, you know, and having watched a lot of, um, between watching stuff like Flash and Arrow and Gotham and things mm-hmm. like that, there are sometimes there are just episodes that sort of just exist to set up another episode. And yeah. this feels like the in the roller coaster ride. This was kind of like the roller coaster going down a little bit before it goes back up. Right, and we, I episode. think we got it was a little slower because we also we were also introduced to new characters. Like we saw Fisk and we also saw uh, Ben Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why it was a little bit slow because we were being introduced to these new people. So. And basically, yeah, we we didn't touch on the the whole Karen and Ben thing all that often, mm-hmm. but it was mostly her looking to uh, because she, through her exposition, it's revealed that he used to be uh, a really great investigative reporter who had mm-hmm. broke all these stories and taken down all these criminals and all this other stuff. And she wants to get his help in doing the same thing with Union Allied and finding out what's going on there. And he kind of doesn't want anything to do with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a part where she's like, Hey, what, what happened to that guy? And she go, uh, and he says something along the lines of like, uh, I got, I got older and smarter. Right. Uh, like he doesn't go digging into this stuff. But uh, things may change in the next episode. Mm-hmm. And fact, he also had that uh, uh, side story of his wife in the hospital. and. Oh, yes, that's right. And uh, Union, Union Allied also tried to 
have Karen sign that agreement so that she couldn't talk. Yes, uh, I'm trying to. It's one of the. It's like one of those like non disparagement agreements, right, or something like right. that, where you can't say anything, especially yeah. anything negative about your former employer, uh, mm-hmm. things along those lines. Um, all right, yeah, let's hop into the next episode. It's season yes. episode four, <laughs> and Aurora is super excited yes. uh, to talk about in the blood. Uh, we start with a flashback of Russian mobsters. Uh, it's Anatoly and Vladimir and. They are in a. Uh, they are in a. God, is, I'm trying to remember. It's like a. Yeah, Syrian, like a prison or something. Yeah, it's like a Syrian prison. I was trying to remember what it was. I think it's in Syria. I want to. No, not Syria. Siberia. Siberia. Yeah. I'm like Syria is in the Middle East. Siberia is closer <laughs> to Russia. There we go. Yeah, geography classes are in order for me apparently. Um, so they're in this. Uh, they're in this um, Siberian prison. And uh, they're only, uh, and this is another one of those things. We're, we'll talk about it in a minute uh, mm-hmm. once we once we wrap up the discussion. But there is something similar uh, from this episode that goes back to a theme from uh, Rabbit in a Snowstorm as well. Um, th- so these guys are in there and they're beat up and they're bloodied and uh, they're trying to escape. And uh, one of their cellmates has died in mm-hmm. the cell. And... Um, I, I'm trying to remember if it's Vladimir is the more level-headed one. I think Vladimir is the more uh, level-headed one, and Anatoly is the the crazier one. And he's got like a a sharp object, and he says, "Where'd you get that from?" And he kind of gestures over towards the dead body. He is ripped. Uh, not only is he ripped into the body of this dead cellmate, but he has pulled out a rib and has sharpened <laughs> it. And he pulls yeah. out another one for his brother, and we are led to believe that they use these ribs to escape. These mm-hmm. are very tough and violent men. Yeah. Um, in the uh, in the uh, the present time in Hell's Kitchen, both men have come here and uh, are kind of got a bit of a crime thing going on themselves. It looks like they maybe steal cabs and then put like their logo on the cabs. That's what I figure. Yeah. So they're running like a they're running like a a criminal cab organization. <laughs> yes, um, they're pressured by uh, Fisk. Well, they're pressured by Wesley, uh, who is pressured by Fisk to eliminate um, Daredevil. Upon uh, and upon learning that Claire is connected to him, because if everybody remembers, um, mm-hmm. I'm not talking just about Claire Temple when that episode where she helps him out. Uh, but the guy that uh, that Matt Murdock threw off a roof, uh, Anatoly mm-hmm. and Vladimir visit him in the hospital, and I'm trying to remember. I think they they inject him with like epinephrine or something because he's, yeah, he's in a coma. He's in a coma, yeah. Yeah, and they wake him up, which is the just like the biggest dick move of all time because this guy's <laughs> like in a full body cast. He's he looks like he's in who would be in so much pain if they woke him up and they wake him up anyway. And, yeah, and he has a tube down his throat. I mean, yes. that has to be the worst way to wake up. Oh, my goodness. Um, but <laughs> he's a trooper, and he tells Anatoly and Vladimir about the apartment where mm-hmm. he was thrown off. And uh, they go looking, and they find Claire's apartment, and it is emptied. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is nothing there. Um, uh, but they do, run into, they do run into Claire's friend, who mm-hmm. they unfortunately torture to get the information uh, to where Claire is and uh, they find her and kidnap her in order to lure Matt Murdock into a trap. Mm-hmm. 
unfortunately for all of them, it doesn't matter. He goes in there and beats the tar out of all of them. Uh, with yep. the exception of the last guy, whom I believe once Claire gets free, hits him in the face with a bat. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> she can fight for herself a little bit as well, which is, mm-hmm. which is nice to see. Um, meanwhile, we've got Wilson Fisk, who goes back to the art gallery and talks mm-hmm. to Vanessa and very creepily tells her that not only did he buy this painting, but he puts it, he put it in his room and it's the last thing he sees at night before she goes to bed. And she says, <laughs> she's like, that's either the most romantic thing I've ever heard or the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and he's like, well, I like to think of it as being the most romantic thing you've ever heard. <laughs> um, and uh, so they go on a date, which mm-hmm. he is very, again, very awkward in a little bit, but you kind of feel for him a little bit, especially anybody you who's, do. Anybody yeah. who's had a bit of an awkward time on a date or or, or talking yeah. to someone of the opposite sex. It's I totally could put myself in his shoes. It was def I yeah. I felt his awkwardness and I felt kind of bad for him. And he did yeah. actually kind of seem like a bit of a nice guy. It was he yeah, seemed, he was a total gentleman. Yeah. He seemed <laughs> to really be in to Vanessa. Uh, yeah. meanwhile, however, all of Daredevil's antics, breaking up all the Russian, uh, kidnapping plot and, and getting Claire back, this has Anatoly and Vladimir, uh, they're upset. Um, I believe it's, uh, oh, uh, by the way, it's, it's Anatoly who is the one who is the more cautious of the two, not Vladimir. That's the one that has like the longer hair, right? Yeah. Vladimir is the yeah. crazy one. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Vladimir is the one who doesn't have a problem saying the name Fisk. Right, right. He says he doesn't. He says nobody. Fisk doesn't want anybody to say his name because he thinks that it will it'll keep people afraid of him or something. Like that. He's not mm-hmm. afraid to say his name. Yeah. Um, Anatoly is uh, wants to go and apologize and, and, and accept this deal that uh, that Wesley had offered them on the behalf of Fisk near the beginning of the episode. He wants to go and do this in person. Uh, mm-hmm. He shows up, and as soon as he shows up. All of the people in the restaurant stand up because yeah. we learn that they are like all bodyguards of Fisk. <laughs> and Vanessa is freaked. She mm-hmm. has no idea what's happening. She is what she's got this kind of what's going on type vibe. And mm-hmm. Fisk says, uh, we we've gotta go. We've gotta leave. Come on, just leave right now. And uh, Anatoly is trying to uh, to apologize and trying to accept this offer and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh Fisk takes her back to her apartment where she tells them that she's uncertain about how, uh, well, she's uncertain about his intentions and motivations, but she's also uncertain about how she feels about him. Like he, he says like, look, if you don't want to see me again, just tell me and you'll never see me again. And she gives her, she gives him a noncommittal. I'm not sure how I feel. And I have to say, I (laughs) don't know how to feel about that. Because I feel if I was in, a, in that situation, I would be, I would freak out. Yeah. I would be like, this is, there's something wrong. This guy, I, I would think he's in the mafia or something. Because who yes. has that situation in a restaurant where everybody's their bodyguard and then this yeah. guy comes in and I, all that, everything that happened, I would be like, I don't want to see you anymore. You're yeah. a dangerous I would, guy. I would be terrified, but she seemed... She's very calm. Yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't terrified by him. She's a little interested in him. Yeah, she uh, is. Yeah. She she finds him fascinating. I think he finds her fascinating. But mm-hmm. the whole thing was was very abrupt and caught her off guard. 
Um, and I think she wants to go and kind of uh, gather her thoughts on the situation. Mm-hmm. But just remember, everybody keep in the back of their minds how just non-committal this was. This was not some sort of fit of rage of, I never want to see you again. You're a horrible human right. being. This was just like, I'm not sure how I feel right now. Right. Uh, so Fisk does agree to meet with Anatoly. He gets in a car with Wesley. And they are driving for a while. And then they eventually stop. And then Fisk calls Wesley's cell phone. And Wesley, I believe all he says is, uh, uh, yes, sir, uh, passenger side, I think. That was great. Something along those lines. And he hangs up the phone and he's like, Mr. Fisk would like to speak with you. And the door flies open and Fisk reaches in and pulls out Anatoly and beats the holy hell out of this man. Like he Mm -hmm. is pummeling him brutally. He's like headbutting him and just punching him in the face. And there comes a point where he punches him really hard. And then Anatoly just lands face first on the ground, which I was at, at that point. I'm like. He might be dead from that. Uh, but Fisk <laughs> nope. was not done. Fisk lifted this man up mm-hmm. and laid his, laid his head on the step for the door, which is still ajar, and starts slamming the door on his head to the point where blood like, sprays onto Wesley. And Wesley very calmly is like, oh, I see where this is heading, opens his <laughs> door and gets up very calmly and then just shuts his door. And Fisk slams the door on this man's head so many mm-hmm. times that it decapitates him. Yep. It was really disturbing. Yep. It was uh, he did this because that woman said I'm not sure how to feel. It was such a huge contrast between the guy we've seen the whole episode and then snapped. What a drama <laughs> queen. Holy cow, what an overreaction. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really crazy. Um yeah. I uh I I have seen gorier things but just the the sharp jump in contrast had my mm-hmm. had my hand over my mouth yep. i was just shocked that it was that they that it you know like wow that went downhill fast yeah uh fisk orders the body to be dumped where vladimir will find it mm-hmm. and uh plants a black mask on the corpse in order to frame the vigilante for the murder meanwhile uh we've got uh, some more stuff with ben and karen karen decides to go to an, a union allied um because she's talking about how, like, uh, it's not the same with paperwork and stuff. Because Union Allied was this big construction company. She's like, mm-hmm. you can't just disappear cranes and and things like that. All this construction equipment right. has to be liquidated. And she finds a place where this is being auctioned off and goes there to, to kind of investigate. And Ben shows up. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, you know, there's a few other people here who aren't bidding either. Maybe you should... In order to sort of keep your head above water here, maybe you should bid on something. And uh, she actually does. She she bids on some really old office equipment that she couldn't afford, and she had it charged to uh, Murdoch and uh, right. Elson, which ties into like a little cute thing at the beginning because there's like this conversation that uh, that Matt and Foggy are having where he's just like, you know what? Maybe we should have just took one of those internships. Like those Mm -hmm. places were nice. Like we got bagels every morning for free. It was great. And he's like, look, I just want something to make me feel important, like a fax machine or, or something. It's like, we live in a, I actually love before that, before they get into that uh, conversation, Foggy's telling, uh, mad that his mom wanted him to be a butcher. Yes. (laughs) And he goes, Oh, not the butcher story again. Yeah. I think he does it again at the end of the episode, too. He's like, have I ever told you that my mom wanted me to be a butcher? (laughs) Um, I was really intrigued by that. I was like, why? Is it it like butchers are like a profession in the family? 
<laughs> Maybe. Like, who... It's got to be, because who's like, hey, you know, my dream is that one day I'd have a son who'd become a butcher. Like, I don't know anybody who really dreams that. she likes meat. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess who doesn't, I I suppose, but I don't know. (laughs) It is really weird. That is kind of strange. I never put too much thought into it until now. (laughs) Now it's going to bug me forever. I I think I need to meet Foggy Nelson's mom just to to get some more background on this. Yeah. so Ben begrudgingly decides to uh, help Karen investigate Union Allied, uh, which has been dismantled. Uh, mm-hmm. And at the same time, she makes Foggy Nelson feel good because even though she charged whatever it was, $3,000 or whatever to the law firm, mm-hmm. Foggy has his fax machine. And now he feels like a big deal. So all is all's well that ends well. Uh, what did you think of In the Blood? Oh, my God. What a great episode. <laughs> It was it was great. It was great. It was one of those episodes that I, I didn't want it to end. Mm. Like I, I I felt um it felt like a movie kind of. A little bit too. Um it and there were so many things going on because we have Ben and Karen, we have uh Fisk in his state, and then we have Claire and Matt with the Russians. Yes. So there's a lot of storylines going on, but they did it so well that it didn't feel like too much. Agreed, that agreed. you were interested in every single storyline. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it was amazing. It was great. There is um, the point that I was going to raise that goes back to, to Rabbit in a Snowstorm where we had uh, John Healy as the weird juxtaposition to to Wilson Fisk. We got it again a little bit here. We uh, They showed that, uh, to me, they showed that uh, the flashback with, Anatoly and Vladimir to kind of show you like what these kind what these guys are made of. Like mm-hmm. they're not they are not pushovers. Mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe maybe of the two, Anatoly was more of a pushover than Vladimir, but no doubt both of these men were tough. They fought their way out of a Siberian prison using a man's rib cage, essentially. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. yet uh Fisk destroyed this man when he became enraged over his date becoming awkward. <laughs> this was yeah. not this was not like this woman never will never see him again refuses to see no. him the date was just made somewhat awkward mm-hmm. and he felt a a a just reward for this awkwardness was yes. to decapitate this man using a car door and he tells him when he's beating him up he tells him you embarrass me in front of her yes that's what <laughs> i mean that's what uh, he was just embarrassed. It, yes. it didn't even ruin the potential relationship between them. I mean, may, maybe to him at that moment, he thought maybe the relationship is ruined. And that's like you could maybe buy it a little bit more. But considering the, the lengths he went to, there's really nothing that justifies the, no. uh, the beheading with a car door. But, uh, yeah, you I mean, it, it basically tied the whole when from when John Healy revealed the name. Uh, going forward, it justified yeah. all of that. But uh, you also you said that um, you see these two Russian guys being tough at the beginning, and then yes. he gets killed by Fist. But also, you see them being tough at the beginning. But then when you flash forward to now, they're they're being uh, they they're they're got their ass kicked by Daredevil too. Oh, that's yeah. what happened. So that's also kind of uh, interesting that you see these two Rus- Russian guys being tough at the beginning, but then one guy, Daredevil, just 
destroy them. Yeah. Too. Well, I mean, clearly they're also building it. They're they're building up Daredevil. They're going to build mm-hmm. up Kingpin for an encounter. Obviously, right. like they're going to show you here are all of these tough guys that fear and cower and are defeated easily by these two guys. Mm-hmm. I bet you can't wait to see them go at it. And they're mm-hmm. right. I can't wait to see them go at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean. This episode wasn't as perfect for me as like Cutman was the second episode, mm-hmm. but it was a really good episode, and it sort of makes it me was. wish we were just doing a daily podcast series so I could just get <laughs> through and watch these episodes. <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling like right before we get to the finale, I'm going to be completely bald from pulling <laughs> all of my hair out of my head. Like it's, it's really tempting to sit down and just watch it, is. it but um, it is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to cement myself in or maybe hide the remote that has the netflix button on it i don't know <laughs> there's so many devices in my home now that have access to netflix it's going to be tough to to hide from I'm, I'm just going to have to try it's just going to have to come down to just good old-fashioned willpower i guess but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so where what did you watch up to episode five i did okay um so that's where so you that's ha- where i stopped that's so where ha- i stopped so you have you have one uh, uh, one episode of foreknowledge than I do, but right. um, so everything past that should be fairly new to us. Yes. Uh, hopefully, uh, that will result in a better podcasting experience. I hope. Um, oh yeah. Hey, before we go, uh, the score. What, what would you grade in the blood? I will give it a five. I really liked it. <laughs> oh, I could. I could tell from the get go. Like, I didn't even get to the episode title, and you're like, yes. This episode, but but you know, it. it, I like the fights and everything, and the storylines and everything. But the the thing that I liked the most was Matt and Claire. Yeah, they have great chemistry, and I loved everything. Every scene that they were together was great. I forgot Rosario Dawson was in this show until (laughs) she appeared in the second episode. I'm like, oh, holy moly, Rosario Dawson! And Mm -hmm. uh, I love her. She is really good, and she's underutilized. Mm -hmm. She should be in more movies. Uh, She constantly, in case people involved with the the third Star Trek movie are interested, she's constantly talking about how big of a Star Trek fan she is, and she would love to be in Star Trek. So Mm -hmm. somebody put her in Star Trek movie. Simon Pegg, write her in. Peg is is writing that script. He could easily just write her on in there somewhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. A Rosario Dawson-like character. Yeah. No problem. It's probably not going to happen. But (laughs) I I love her. She's she's really good. Uh, And you're right. Um, She and Charlie Cox have really good chemistry together. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, but for me, though, what it really was is we just got the tiniest glimpse of Fisk. And I'm like, thank God. Goodness, I can watch the next episode because I need to know mm-hmm. like, more about this guy. And I got we got so much more. And I'm guessing I'm guessing more to come. Like I'm guessing this is just skimming the iceberg a little bit. Like this is just the top layer uh we're getting a little bit. I'm hoping it's gonna go even deeper, but I was just fascinated. He is uh I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio is awesome. He, he, yeah, he is. Uh, it's just like it's it's clear that there's he plays it with a lot of subtlety. There's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just like you can see things in his eyes, and obviously the things he does with the fingers and everything like that. You can just tell that there is stuff boiling underneath this character. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe that's what it is. Like when he's on this date with Vanessa, it is. It is. I mean, it, I, they did a, a great job trying to humanize him. Like like you said, you know, you kind of sympathize with him when he's in his date. So 
to all of a sudden see him snapped and do all those things it's shocking once you're like feeling for him so it seems like he is constantly struggling to maintain calm like if he wasn't trying he would just you know he would kill everybody around him like for the slightest infraction yep you know what i mean like you broke my cracker uh you know throw him through a window you know Mm -hmm. that sort of thing oh my gosh you stepped on my shoe no problem i'll hit you with my truck uh like it just feels like he is trying desperately to control like a very horrific person underneath and um i have a feeling it will at some point it will come out uh uh further uh at which point i'm terrified i mean i'm terrified based off of this like this is like it is i mean for me every time i see like a horror movie or even superhero movies when you have villains for me, the scariest ones are the ones that you don't know when they're going to snap. Yeah. But they do it without you, you know, unexpectedly. <laughs> Those are the ones that are most scary. I mean, they haven't I really, think... Marvel hasn't really done a, a villain, I don't think. No. That is they're quite usually like, like uh, this. Yeah, the villains don't usually have like a lot of personality like in this situation. I mean, I mean, when you think of like some of the bigger villains, I mean, Loki has... Maybe redeemable... Loki. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Loki has redeemable qualities to him as right. well. Right. Um, you know, like the, the Winter Soldier is was scary too, but clearly he has redeemable qualities as well, does Bucky Barnes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there we've, we've met a few of them that, I mean, maybe like Abomination in the Hulk movie didn't have a lot of redeeming qualities right. to him. Right. Uh, but we haven't seen him since, uh, and only like I think one vague reference in like one of the Marvel one shots or something like that uh, to him after that. But uh, you know, like outside of that, they haven't really done a villain that is kind of like oh. this vicious. Mm-hmm. He is really scary. Uh, yes. um, I w- I'm not quite going to the five level, but I did give it a good four and a half. Okay, uh, it's a really good episode, and I mm-hmm. need, I need more Wilson Fisk in my life. Uh, I don't don't need him near me, around me, or close to my family, but (laughs) I need to view more of this character because I'm super intrigued. Uh, All right, so that is a wrap. Now we've Mm -hmm. we've wrapped. Uh, And uh, are we going to come back on Monday and try this? I think we'll we'll come back on Monday uh, because that's good. That means I can watch more episodes tonight or tomorrow or something like that instead Mm -hmm. of having to wait three or four more days. Um, That'll work. And and then, then I'll have to wait. A bunch of days before the week <laughs> but this will help this will help a little bit so uh aurora and i will be back uh in just a couple of days uh on podcasters of shield talking season one episode five of daredevil world on fire and season one episode six called condemned <laughs>